It is a crossover for the NBA playoffs. I'm David Locke of Locked on Jazz, and I'll tell you why Isaac Harris and Nick Angstead are a bunch of homers that just (laughs) blow smoke. We're going to tell you why the Mavs aren't scared of the Jazz at all. Lucas Hart! Talk about that and more on today's crossover, Locked on Mavs and Jazz. I'm Luka Doncic, and this is Locked on Mavericks Podcast. I don't believe you shouldn't be here. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan every mm. single day. He's Nick Angstead. He was a nobody, then he went to Locked on Mavericks, now we've hired him, he's the YouTube god, and he's making all sorts of money, and he's just, like, proud of himself. He's Isaac Harris, he's a regular contributor for Mavs.com, and I only know that because I listen to Ma- Locked on Mavs way too much. That's why that is. I do know that because he's Isaac Harris. And they are Locked on Mavericks. Thank you very much for making us your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, where... Locked on Mavericks is throttling Locked on Jazz, but I'm learning the tricks of having Luca as the lead of every <laughs> just, single story. Just put it as the first, the first word of any title, and you'll just it's you'll. Funny, I had my YouTube. biggest YouTube show ever the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mavericks. All right, uh, let's get right to it. Obviously, the Luca is the biggest story of the whole uh, s- series, and I, I don't. You know, you did a really nice job, Nick, with the doctor the other day. I, we're not going to know anything unless I mean. I really feel like the earliest we're going to know anything is probably 9.45 Mountain Time, 10.45 <laughs> Central Time if Luca doesn't come out for his regular warm-up, right? Like, I, unless they announce he's – I would suspect that they're not going to announce him out any sooner than that. No, they'll, they'll leave him as questionable, right? They'll just put him as questionable on the injury report and then, like, what, 30, 30 minutes before they have to announce who's in the starting lineup, and that's probably when we'll know. Uh, Jason Kidd has been doing this all week. I'm not a doctor, so I don't know. Not a, not a doctor. I don't know. That's basically what's been coming from the Mavs. And it's kind of gamesmanship, right, to not tell if Luka's going to play, if he's not going to play, and it may mess with the minds a little bit. All right, so we can bore ourselves with it. I don't think any of us know. I, I mean, I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express, so I'm not a doctor even on that. Um I, you know, the one thing I, we experienced it twice this year, right? Boyan Bogdanovich was out 19 days. Rudy Gobert was out 21 days with a calf strain. Uh, the doctor you had on Lockdown Mavericks, you know, said it well. There's a bunch of, it's where the location is. There's multiple muscles in there. So we, we really don't know. It does, if Lucas on average, which would be the first time in his life he's ever averaged, because I've prepped for this and he's not average offensively and he's not average defensively. Um, Oh, come on. That was actually that pretty was funny. Yeah, no, that was a hit. I just, mean, letting it, just letting it go. This is his best defensive season of, of since being in the NBA. So Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see. What are we going to compare that to? The best Trey yeah. Young? He's better than Trey He's Young. He's better than Trey Young. <laughs> okay, so like this is the best edition of the Kardashians. This like season four of the Kardashians <laughs> is the best ever. Like, is that what we're talking about there? Is like that's where He's Kendall. He's Kendall of <laughs> Like, right. I mean, let's be honest. If Luca's defense was a sitcom, it would have been canceled. So they wouldn't have a season four. Um, 
He's the best offensive player in the Western Conference, though. I, maybe mm. that guy, Denver, is right there. But, I mean, they, those two are really quite dominant. I'm not – don't misunderstand Maverick fans. I'm having fun. So you're 19-7 and seven since you got Dinwiddie, 18-5 and five when he plays. Isaac Harris, I tip my hat to you. You're the one who on the trade day said we're going to be better because of this. Um, so I give you credit for that. It might have had something to do with the fact that Chris Epps Porzingis is like the bottom 5% of isolation defense and the bottom 10% in pick and roll defense. Um, so what has changed for the Mavericks? You know, let's assuming Luca plays uh, in, in that stretch that has made you guys 19 and seven since the February 10th trade. Well, we talk about teams trying to find like who they are, what's their identity. And I feel like ever since they were kind of clashing there for a while of like two different identities of trying to make the Porzingis Luca pairing fit. And then they make the trade and then they can just fully embrace. Even before they traded Porzingis, they started experimenting towards the end of games because he was out with injury. <laughs> yes. But then they started like experimenting with this more small ball stuff. And like, all right, are they kind of laying the groundwork for what uh, this team could look like without KP? They make the trade. They fully embrace it. They know exactly who they are. And they finally got the third creator ball handler on the team. And that's what we had been longing for for so long. It's like, can we get another guy out there who can create and can make plays, can score on the perimeter? Because they were putting just so much of the load on Brunson outside Luka. So Dinwiddie's just helped tremendously with that of having three guys now compared to two. And does it help? You're better when Luca's off the floor, which is crazy. Mm. You're plus minus. Is that because you have those two other ball handlers? Is that where it's helped most is when Luca's actually off the floor, not so much when Luca's on the floor? What, what, yeah, well, Jason Kidd said, you know, after the trade happens, he, he admitted in a, in a media session of, hey, our goal is to have two of these, these three guys on the floor at all times. So, to, to have at least two of those guys now to win. If Luca stepped off previously, then it was just Brunson running the show with other guys who really can't create or put the ball on the floor. So now having two of those guys on the floor at all times, it's it made the world of a difference for them. And part of this, the way that they started the season, I mean, we've heard the narrative. Anytime somebody talks about MVP, it's like, oh, well, Luca started the season off bad. Well, part of that is the Mavericks were losing all the minutes that he was playing at the beginning of the season. Like that, he had a pretty bad negative net rating to start the season. Then he gets injured, then, you know, trade happens and all that. And now it's been positive. But um, yeah, but what was keeping the Mavs afloat was Brunson and the bench. It was the bench that was really keeping him alive in those stretches. What was the truth on why Luca didn't have a good start of the season? Oh, he just didn't come into. He didn't. I mean, he admitted he's he didn't come in in good shape. He had the long off season. He did, had the Olympics. He had all that, and he even said he's like, I took too long of a break, and he was just out of shape. And it just at what at some point it's going to click for him, hopefully. But he's so young. He's like, hey, I'm just going to play in the shape, and and he did that, and then now he should be first team All NBA. I just wish I was out of shape and could score 25, 8, and 8 in an NBA game and just average that. <laughs> Sounds good to me. So if let's assume that Luca's average, which was my joke that he's not, but let's, so it's 14 days. So he would play game four, possibly if it's Saturday would be the first time we would see him. If he's off for 14 days, is there a, is there a conditioning problem? Like, does he get out of shape quickly or is he just, made some strong efforts to not quite be in shape. I don't know how to say it any other. Like, <laughs> is there a conditioning issue there that you're concerning? I think they, I know for a fact, they change up some things at the beginning of the season, just yeah. With some details of off the court and stuff. So I would hope that 
There's not, I honestly don't have a great answer for that. I mean, I'd hope not. One of the big things that he said he changed was his diet, right? That was one yeah. of the things that he said that he changed in the middle of the year. He's like, I had to change my diet. I had to fix it. And I'm sure he heard from Dirk. He got some you know, advice from Dirk about you know, what Dirk changed. And you know, Dirk worked with Nash. And those two guys kind of changed their diet in the middle of their career and lasted way longer than anybody thought that those two guys could last in the NBA. And so I'm hoping that that's the advice he got from Dirk on that, changed his diet up. And so it hopefully won't be as bad as it was at the beginning of the season. Season, but uh, I am concerned about it a little bit that he won't come in just completely 100% fresh. And because that's what they'll, they'll need Luca to be 100% fresh to beat this Jazz yeah. team. They just do. So, since the trade, you're 15th in the league defensively. And I, I tried to dig down on this a little bit in some prep. But I thought it was interesting. You actually have like these this incredible defensive game against Boston in early March. Um, you, have, you have a pretty good defensive game. Um, against, well, it's against the Lakers. So, I mean, that's a non-playoff team. <laughs> I just thought, I just, that's thought something, it. that's something everybody can agree on, on this. We can <laughs> just all marinate on that. But yeah. what was interesting to me is part of your defensive rating is okay because you had these amazing defensive games against Portland, against two against the Rockets. Like your defensive rating against Portland was a 77. Mm. But if you kind of dig through the other games and rank them by your season against Brooklyn, it was your 78th defensive performance in early mid-March, 73rd against Philly, 80th against Charlotte. Next night was 54th against Minnesota, then a good one against the Rockets, then 70th against Minnesota, 47th against us, 68th against the 47th against us without Boyan Bogdanovich, Rudy Gobert, and Hassan Whiteside. Um, 47th against the Lakers, 68th (laughs) against the uh, Lakers again, uh, 62nd against Cleveland, your worst defensive night of the year in Washington. So there's actually like <laughs> that was the terrible game. Just throw that, that was one a out. disaster, right? Wow. You lost by 32. That's um, one of the reasons why they lost the three seed too is that game. So like the ratings good, but the standard deviation is like wild and against good teams. It's a 124 against Brooklyn. It's a 120 against the 76. It's a 130 against Charlotte. It's a 118 against Minnesota. It's a 118 against the Lakers. It's a 134 against Washington. So one, you know, <laughs> like a 110 and a great win over Milwaukee. That's pretty good, actually. That's a pretty good defense tonight. Milwaukee's great. And, you know, so what is the feeling of where the team is defensively? Because prepping, I, I really couldn't get a grasp on what was going on with this team defensively. I, I was listening to Lockdown Jazz, and you were talking about how bad Porzingis was defensively. This was Porzingis' best defensive year of his career, probably as well, maybe since that last Knicks year. Uh, he was a pretty good rim protector, right? Like, the Mavericks had built an offense where they just funneled stuff kind of to the rim a little bit, and then Porzingis could just, like, wall it off a little bit on the rim. Now, anytime you got him out in space or anything like that, it was it was game over. But... He had been good in that spot. And now the Mavericks don't necessarily have a rim protector. So what their defense is predicated on now is it's 100% effort. It's just getting to the right spot, knowing where to be in the right spot, being locked in all the time, knowing where your rotation is, being able to fly from one corner to the other because somebody rotated and you have to go cover the other corner shooter now. And it's all an effort. So we've seen the Mavs this these last like month, this last month or so have these games where they're just like, all right, we lock in for one quarter defensively. And we win the game. Like that Boston game, they won one quarter. <laughs> like they literally won, like outscored the, the Celtics one quarter and they win that game. I think it's the same with the Cavs game too, where they just locked in for a quarter and they can win the game. And the rest of it, they kind of, you know, lollygagged around, whatever word you want to use for that. And, and they threw out different schemes also. You know, they go against Brooklyn and they're bringing that hard double on, on yeah. KD the entire game. 
where another game they're running zone a lot. So it, he switched, he switches up stuff a lot, even mid game to where defensive game plans, they might change. I mean, by the game. So it, it's kind of weird. We, we've joked that it, it was kind of like the honeymoon phase after the trade. It's like, everybody got really excited. They were all bought in. This is who we are. They played really hard defense. And then it reached the spots where the honeymoon phase kind of went away a little bit. And then we slowly started seeing the cracks in the defense again. So I'm curious to see what it looks like in the playoffs. All right. Those are my storylines. We'll get into the X's and O's and matchups and all the fun things of what each is going to do each other in the third segment. We'll turn it over next to our Nick and Isaac to start belittling me. I mean, asking me questions about what's going on. Let's go. There it is. But I got to throw on my shady rays. Oh. And you got to throw on your shady rays. I, wow. I tried to get Isaac his, but he hasn't picked him up yet. I threw him out of the love for Isaac. Isaac, do I need to bring you shady rays? I got a pair for him. He just hasn't picked him up yet. <laughs> shady rays is an independent sunglasses company that gives you the features of $200 sunglasses for a fraction of the price. That means polarized lenses, well constructed, durable frames, and premium high end finishes. Also, something you won't find anywhere else is Shady Rays' insane protection program. Shady it's Rays insane. include lost and broken protection on every pair. They will send you a brand new pair if you lose them, no matter what happens. So Isaac, the pair that he says he has for you that he actually lost, he he'll, he, mm. that's really what's going on. He's, he's, <laughs> that's right. I'll send you one. I'll say I lost it. And then I'll get another one. Right. Shady Rays. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Plus look at what I did when I bought my Shady Rays. I provided 10 meals to the hungry hey, in America. If, uh, awesome. Donated to fight hunger in America. When you shop with Shady Rays, exclusive for our listeners, head to shadyrays.com and use the code locked on to get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Exactly what I did. That's the code locked on for the best deal of the season 50% off two or more pairs of Shady Ray sunglasses backed. By 150,000 verified five-star reviews. Thanks for making Locked On Mavs and Locked On Jazz your first listen every day. Now make your next listen the other one. Locked On Mavs or Locked On Jazz. Or go listen to Locked On Now podcast. Great stuff. Nightly recaps of every NBA game. You also have MLB. You also have NHL. All kinds of good stuff. Free and available wherever you get your podcast. That's Locked On Now. All right. Moving over to the Utah Jazz side of things. The big stories around the Utah Jazz has just been like the collapses. Everyone's just, it feels like they're a bubble and everyone's just waiting for them to collapse, waiting for Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell to break up. Oh, the Lakers are circling around Quinn Snyder. Uh, then the Jazz go on that huge collapse against the Clippers again in the fourth quarter. What's the reason for these, these collapses that you've seen? Uh, either the Clippers or internally, or does it feel the same way with Utah fans that they're just waiting for a collapse? So the Clippers last year in the playoffs was actually. They did what I actually think Denver, Dallas will try to do most of the series. You know, Dallas, I think, is the number one isolation team in the league and the number one drive team in the NBA in efficiency. Uh, I think about fourth and fifth in, in uh, amount of times you do both. I'll, I'll get those numbers exactly right here in a second. Uh, They're the seventh most drive teams and the sixth uh, most often isolation team, but best in the league at both. That, that's what they did. They just spread the Jazz out five wide, and they just went to work, and they just put their head down, and they drove. Now, Donovan Mitchell had a sprained ankle, and Mike Conley had a hamstring problem, and they couldn't move. Um, but that's, you know, and now this year, that's what most teams have done to the Jazz. Is you, you cannot have Rudy Gobert in the middle. He's just, he's just too good. He's, you know, the number one pick-and-roll defensive big in the league for the last three years. This year, he's third. 
but he also defended over 2000 picks and Robert Williams, who's number one is defended a thousand picks. So it's, it's <laughs> right. And, and Taj Gibson is number two defended 900 picks. Shout out so, to Taj Gibson for being on that list. Like Tibbs just keep throwing that man out there and just keep, keep getting him paid. It's, it's, so I think, you know, but I, some of the late game stuff has been defense. So in that the, the collapse in LA last year in game six was a defensive collapse. Um, you know, I think as you guys learned also, the Clippers aren't the easiest team to knock out. Uh, we have oh, that in common. Wow. Uh, and so then the other part of it is that for whatever reason, the offense late in games has just become a disaster, frankly. Up to January 1st, the Jazz had the fourth best clutch offense in the NBA at 122.8. COVID mm-hmm. hits. You know, January's kind of like we just wash it from our system. You guys had that <laughs> last year, like before the freeze, kind of that stretch. Yeah, um, right. And you had a little bit of it this year in late December. You just kind of eliminate it when you talk about the season. After February 1st, we went from 122.8 and the fourth best offense in the clutch to 26th and a 93.6. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. Boyan Bogdanovich is not hitting some shots. But honestly, it comes down to Don. Like, for whatever reason, Donovan is just super struggling in the clutch right now. I frankly kind of look at that and say – it's pretty unlikely to continue. It's a small sample size. He's not making some shots. There's certainly some things, you know, wrong, depending on your sample size. You can go most recently is two of his last 19 and 0 for 4 from 3. But if you take it back to February, he's 11 of 53 and 2 of 20 from 3. Um, you know, and I don't I don't know. Is that fatigue? Is that teams defending him differently? Is that him feeling it and now it's building on itself? Uh, you know, is he taking the wrong shots? I was analyzing Damian Lillard to see – what Lillard and it was interesting. Like Don plays a lot in the mid range late in games. Cause that's what everyone tells you you're supposed to do. But I, I'm not sure that's right. I think you have to be six, nine to do that. Like Paul mm-hmm. George does that. Kawhi Leonard does that. Luka Doncic does that. Kevin Durant does that. Devin Booker's six, five. He, Chris Paul's an, an outlier, but like Dame Lillard lives at the rim in three. Like there aren't a lot of guys like Trey young lives at the rim in three late in games. Donovan's not that big. So I wonder if there's a little bit of that, the shot selection's gone awry, um, but we stopped moving the ball. We stopped running get really stagnant. It gets really ugly. You know, you kind of touched on it there at the beginning of your answer. Cause that was one of my first questions is, you know, for how much is that Clipper series on the back of the jazz's minds when it comes to playing this team like Dallas, that, you know, we joke that, you know, Dallas is the, the Raptors of the West. They're the small ball. And just even the narratives of that series last year is all oh, the Clippers went small. They just put all these wings out there and Rudy was the one that struggled. You know, I feel like that was like the scapegoat out of it. Of oh, It was Rudy's fault because he couldn't guard the small ball lineup type thing. How much, how, how wrong is that from a jazz perspective? So and also, it's pretty wrong. So yeah. <laughs> there's like all parts of that are wrong. So let's start with the various <laughs> things that are wrong. One is, and we've just got to eliminate this phrase. I was actually talking to Brian Anderson of TNT about this the other day. We've got to stop calling it small ball. Like mm. the Clippers were 6'4 with Reggie Jackson, 6'8, 220, 6'8, 220, 6'8, 220, and 6'8, 220. So their center was undersized. Yeah, they played yeah. no seven footers. That's like right. what so small ball small. means now. Like, every like other player ball. was actually oversized, right? Like Nicholas Batum is not small. Mar- Marcus Morris Sr. is not small. Paul George is not small. Like th- yeah. there's nothing about those guys that are small. Second thing is they didn't play Rudy Gobert off the floor. They played every other jazz player off the floor. So Rudy Gobert was marking Terrence Mann was their worst three-point shooter because they were playing five out, which we used to do with Dorian Finney-Smith before he became Steph Curry. And, hey, yes. um, and so, but 
when Rudy go when everyone drove by Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Boy, I mean every boom, 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 boom. Hmm. Then Rudy's got to come over, and then they hit Terrence Mann, and then somehow the narrative, you know, honestly, the narrative that Rudy got played off the floor in that series is is a it's a pretty shallow, not very good basketball. Now I'm not saying I, Isaac, I know you were more than that. Yeah, I was just throwing it out there. It's a yeah. pretty, it's really, it's poor. Um, what the better way to say it is, can Rudy impact the game defensively? Hmm. So the whole pr- defensive premise of the Utah Jazz is that Rudy Gobert impacts. So like Luca has not taken a shot inside six feet this year when Rudy, or Luca has not taken a shot all year long when Rudy's in, on the floor at the rim. He's 0 for 4 all year inside six feet. Hmm. Okay, that's Rudy impact. Is that counting the, the play that Rudy fouled him and then blocked it? Or? <laughs> that was one of his misses, right? Yeah, I got it. I got you. Um, I'm sorry. Let me look that up. Oh, I don't see a foul. The in, the, in the two-minute report, maybe? Looking yeah, at I don't, maybe I don't what the official that. NBA accounts are? The interesting one on that, by the way, is that wing right, Luka comes down, comes off to the right-hand side on that pick and roll. The Jazz switched Gobert on. He worked the right side of the floor. If you actually look at wing right over the last two years when Rudy Gobert's on the floor, I think Luca's 10 of 13 from threes wing right. Wow. So that's Luca's answer is that he's, you know, it's not like he's not efficient. He just hasn't gotten to the rim. So can Rudy Gobert still impact plays defensively? Can Rudy, the, the, what happened in the Clippers series is where Rudy impacted was always off a breakdown and then they're kicking to the next guy, you know, <clears throat> It'll be interesting to see. Like so far in the two games with these two teams to play, we're gonna get into little X's and O's stuff. And sorry, but like they, the they, the Mavs have not been like shying away from running Luka Doncic, Dwight Powell, Luka Doncic, Maxi Kleber pick and rolls yep. at Rudy. They they really didn't shy away from it at all. Had moderate success. What they didn't have sex. Success, well, I don't know if they had that. But <laughs> they did not have success. The Mormons. <laughs> I know. <laughs> when Luca got switched on to oh, Gobert man, and no. tried to drive on Gobert, he only averaged 0.75 points per shot. Hmm. All right, coming up, we got some more Mavs questions. We got some more Jazz oh, questions. Geez, for Dave. So many. You got, a, you got a ton of questions. I want to know the small ball units, the, the the quote unquote small ball units that people have been saying. You you mentioned on on Lockdown Jazz on Monday that they've seen that look more than anything this year. How have they solved it? Want to talk about that and more coming up. But before we do, let me tell you about the best thing you can do for your body in 60 seconds or less. It depends. It depends on on how quick you want to consume this. It's AG1. It's by Athletic Greens. Check it out. I use it every single day. It helps you in so many different ways. It's 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and more to help you start your day right. It's a special blend of ingredients that support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, and aging. Aging. Can have some some glowing skin with AG1 if you want to check that out. The guy that started AG1 was taking like upwards of a hundred dollars worth of pills a day and just trying to figure out how to get you know his life right, his gut health right, and everything. Just couldn't figure out what it was, and so he decided to make his own thing. He decided to make AG1, and that's what he made with Athletic Greens. Go check it out. It take uh, it's easy. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com/nba network. Again, that's the URL, athleticgreens.com slash NBA network. Take ownership over your gut health. Pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. That's AG1 by Athletic Greens. It's great. Go check it out. Also, I want to tell you about Built Bar. It's a protein bar. Tastes like a candy bar. They're delicious. David, what's your favorite flavor of Built Bar? Coconut brine chunk. 
or the Ooh. puffs or the puffs i'm puffs telling you making a good run the brownie batter puff maybe making maybe no, taking me for a run for a run I for, run, for its money that, that one is a, incredible. i had a classic mint brownie the other day mm. still solid Mint brownies, a solid one, 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, four grams of sugar in a bar covered in 100% chocolate. David was mentioning the puffs, the churro puff bar. That one's great. Ordered another box recently. 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, six grams of sugar in a bar that is covered in chocolate and has marshmallow in the middle of it. Go check it out. Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off. It's Built.com. All right, Isaac. David Locke, let's keep going with our jazz questions, and then we'll, we may get a little nerdy at the end here. So you mentioned on Monday. You know, on the fans are begging for us to do this for more than one day. I can feel it. <laughs> I just want to know about Trent Forrest. So. <laughs> <laughs> we have not given up. Trent Forrest in Summer League hits a, hits a free throw to beat the Mavs in Summer League and waves off the Mavs. Like Seriously? And I've never cannot, forgotten it. I was on this pod saying, so- you won't have a career for waving and now he's like has a like a regular roster spot right he's like actually important i don't and his health <laughs> yeah. is actually a big part of the series i cannot stop thinking <laughs> about that big, moment not as big as some other injuries let's make sure <laughs> um but the jazz have seen this small ball quote unquote small ball they've played the non-center lo- they've seen the non-center about- lineups a lot this year so the team switched against the jazz more than any other team in the nba this year mm. jazz saw 24 switches a night on their 90 pick and rolls it's the most of any in the NBA. And so in that, and I feel as though the Jazz are probably the most scouted team in all of the NBA. If you just kind of think about it, Gobert's been there for six years now. Yeah. You know, if you go 52 and 20 in this league, they go study you to figure out why you went 52 and 20 to figure out what you were doing. So this, you know, and the collapse against the Clippers was on national television in a pretty high profile moment where every coach in the league saw it. Um, and so that's, the Jazz have seen that. The Jazz run 96 picks a night. They average 1.02 on the pick and roll. It's one of the better pick and roll teams in the league. They average 0.99 against the switch now, which is vastly improved. They've gotten much, much better, but they do have a tendency to get stagnant. You get the switch. Now you're trying to look for your matchup. This is where they brought Luka to the ball just time and time and time again in the two games and frankly torched Luka. I mean, I think the interesting one, don't misunderstand this comment. I 100% think the Mavericks are better with Luka, but... When Luke is not on the floor, the Mavericks go from kind of 15th in the league defensively to about the 93rd percentile, I think, defensively. They they, they get pretty they get darn better, good. Yeah. And I, I, there's not a mismatch to go find. Like, if they're switching everything and Luke is not in the game, I, I don't – get off Finney Smith because he's outstanding. He's the ninth best isolation defender in all the NBA. Yes. But – don't like, tell the Mavs that they'll put it on T-shirts and send it out to to send it out to every voter. It's pretty good, <laughs> you know, and you know, and Dwight Powell's not great. Obviously, they're a better defensive team with Maxi Kleber on the floor than they are with Dwight yeah. Powell. But I, I don't know where you're finding that mismatch. Frankly, if you switch everything, Luke is going to have to play defense on almost every possession. And, and to my point earlier about the, their defense needing effort is that they've negated some of these mismatch problems. I was watching the you know the two the two Mavs Jazz games that matter right like the one right after the All Star break and then the first one in March, and uh, they tried to the Jazz tried to like post up on Jalen Brunson like one or two times with Bojan or somebody else, and the Mavs either kind of like let it happen a little bit because Brunson's pretty strong and stout. But then either that or they'll just send a quick double over and then get the ball out of that person's hands and then just recover fast enough. Like that's how they sort of negated these like mismatches. So this is going to be so curious about this series. 
So the Jazz defensive coll- or late game collapses have been largely predicated on lack of ball movement, getting stagnant, playing in the half court, not pushing, not pushing the ball the way they do during the game, and they get bogged down, and then they get bad looks, and Donovan goes one-on-one, and it doesn't work. They have bad turnovers. In the game against, in Utah, that the Jazz won, the Mavs did that soft double on Donovan, and Donovan willingly got off the ball, and the Jazz swung it around, and Boyan hit a big three, and Conley had a driving layup, and they and then they swung it back to Donovan for a big three, and they really, the ball pinged all around like the Jazz wanted to, and it was based on the fact that the Mavericks doubled yep. to create, and it created ball movement. So this is a fascinating part of the series where, the Mavericks obviously don't want, if Luke is out there, don't want Luca having to guard in space against Donovan Mitchell. That's a disaster. But when they bring the double, it forces the Jazz to do the one thing they're not doing that's causing them all the problems late in the clutch. Hmm. If you're, if you were Dallas, if you're, I was trying to think what question I want to go to. Cause I, I <laughs> it was know. just a nice, home. Like it's like, it was um, like you were listening to the pod. Like, oh yeah, that was a good point. <laughs> of, of all pods that we need to make sure the time is right on. It's this one. But <laughs> we, we can be relatively okay. Um, we always joke about time and like, who's going to check our time? Me. <laughs> <laughs> if if you're Dallas, what's your game plan against Utah to win this series? So I, I mean, I think you're switching defensively a great deal. I and I, I actually think you might be able to get a game without Luca solely based on mm. defensively being able to stymie the Jazz offensively. They can't. They don't move it. They don't swing it. They don't make the plays. You've done a really nice job. I think Rudy's averaging 5.7 shots uh, at in games against the Mavs. I think he's yeah, he hasn't taken a lot. He hasn't scored a lot either. Yeah. So the first thing, actually, when you're dealing with the Jazz, I know this sounds funny there, but you actually have to make sure Rudy doesn't beat you. Mm. Right? Rick Carlisle did not do that very well. Like, Rudy used to have 20-20s, but Rudy shoots 75%. So if you're letting Rudy get the ball, it means he's dunking, and dunks are really, really efficient. And it's, <laughs> frankly, the reason the Jazz offense is number one in the NBA is because Rudy's the first player in the history of the NBA to score 15 points and shoot over 70%. It's just really hard to come back from that along the way. And then the fact that they're a pretty good three-point shooting team, you're just on the wrong side of math. So I really think the first thing you have to do is take away Rudy's role. And you guys in the Mavericks did a pretty, have done a really good job of that at five, you know, only allowing him to have 5.7 shots per game. Simultaneously, then you got to make sure you're not allowing the Jazz get offensive rebounds because the Jazz are the fifth best offensive rebounding team in the league. And those, you start adding in those extra possessions to this. And it, that's where, again, you, you're on the wrong side of math. Then they're, you know, they're going to switch everything, right? I think we, we, we'd expect yeah. that. I don't, I, I wouldn't, I don't think we're going to see a lot of zone or things of that nature. I think we're just going to see. And then the question is, how are you protecting Luca if he's playing? And then if Luca's not playing, the, from the Jazz question, it's how do they, how, where do they actually score? How do they actually beat people one on one? Because it's not a great strength of theirs. We um, saw we saw zone against the Jazz a little bit in in some one of these games, and I was just like, like you're going zone against the Jazz? What like what, what are you with doing? Rudy? Like, like really? Yeah, I don't. I don't. It doesn't use the Jazz are pretty good against zone. Um, and the shooters. And you guys were about 16th in the league against zone. You're the second best offensive team in the league against zone, so I'm sure we're not going to play it much. 